0: I, uh, I'm not going to say you're ready to kick this pig, but do you want to? You want to? <laughs> you want to get this uh, stone rolling?
1: Maybe. I don't yeah, know. I'm, I'm ready.
0: Welcome back to the Is For podcast. I'm here with the man with 311, three eleven shirts, Mr. Monster. I
2: feel like that is a uh, uh, conservative guess, but you're you're probably on the right track.
0: If you have more than 311 shirts, period, that's a, <laughs> That's more shirts than you'll probably ever need. Agreed. The man with all the button-up shirts and all the tank tops, Mr. Sarge. That is true. Nothing beats a
1: good tank top and button-up shirt. It's classy, ladies and gentlemen.
0: And I'm going to hang out here in my hoodie tonight. I am danger. Tonight, we are going to be discussing the rousing American pride alien invasion film, Independence Day. We begin with the letter A. A is for,
2: M is for murder, E is for danger, and, uh, dodge, with monster. Help, love me, and B, b b b b
1: please,
2: help. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Oh, welcome to Earth. Yeah.
2: Not to show my hands too, uh, my cards too soon. (laughs) Oh,
0: no, no. No, I, I am fully willing to embrace it. this is not a good movie. It's not a good movie. It is a fun movie, but it is not a good movie.
1: Well, no. I mean it's in the same it's in the same category as Last Action Hero. Not a good movie. Hey. Well, a fun movie to sit and
0: watch. I like that movie. Last Action Hero is a fun, great movie. It's just that was I I love that movie and I'll stand by it. I'm not gonna die on that hill. Maybe like hurt the leg. But you know, I
1: mean, that's not that's not a hill I'm willing to sacrifice no. my life on. No, maybe give a me... paper cut, maybe some heat exhaustion. But
2: nah. that I'll... is a that is a slight lump in the grass that I'm willing to take an injury on.
0: I'll stub my toe <laughs> on the mound. That's that's <laughs> it. Anyway, all right. <clears throat> Independence Day, also promoted as ID Four. More on that later. 1996 science fiction action movie directed by Roland Emmerich. And written by Emric and Dean Devlin, with the all-star cast of who do you remember was in the movie? Uh, well, let's see. You had Bill Smith. Yeah. You had Bill Pullman, Jeff Goldblum, Judd Hirsch, Randy Quaid, Harry Connick Jr., and Brett Spinner. He was... You
2: didn't even mention you didn't mention Harvey uh, Firestein. Okay. He has the most iconic voice ever. I'm he- not saying he doesn't,
0: but I. I completely missed that he was in it. I, I'm sorry to all the Harvey Firestein fans out there. I'm sure we got a large fan base of crossover of Harvey I Fierstein. I
2: don't remember. I think he only has like three lines. I just remember where he's like frantically like,
0: I got to call my lawyer. Well, maybe not my lawyer.
2: That's all I really yeah. remember.
0: Yeah, I don't remember too much of him now that I mean, I, I remember him being in it, but I don't remember much of his actual role in it.
1: So. Uh, he just he played uh, Jeff Goldblum's boss at the the news agency, and he's like, "I got to call my mom." Yeah yeah, 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 I do remember that. Um,
0: the The role I know him the most from is he was, I believe it was Aunt Jack in Mrs. Doubtfire. I think it was Robin Williams' character's brother-in-law. He
2: had a he had a good. Uh, he played a, a character on The Simpsons on one episode that's really good, where Homer gets a whole bunch of hair and like. There's a, there's a great part where he, like, it was never about the hair. And he gives him a big kiss, and it's, oh, it's hilarious. It's so good. Sorry, uh, sorry, didn't mean to get no, us off track that no, early. No, it's,
0: it's fine. <laughs> it starts I, already. I feel like you're going to interject uh, Simpsons trivia wherever you can. So,
2: yeah. As much as possible.
0: That's fine. So the film focuses on a desperate group uh, or groups of people who converge in the Nevada desert. Do you remember where they come together in the Nevada desert? Yeah,
2: Area 51. Yep. All right. I can't Um, can't roll my eyes hard enough.
0: No, it's it's fine. (laughs) No, this entire movie is a giant eye roll. But the thing that I appreciate about this movie is it does not try to be anything more than exactly what it is. It is an alien disaster film with horrible green screens. (laughs) And do you remember the whole, the dog running to jump into? What was a a physics anomaly to me that uh, the girl like ducked into like a 20 foot deep building hole alley thing and survived the fire that murdered everybody else in the street. Yeah,
2: this is this is one of those movies in that like mid 90s era that suffers from hey, we can do all this cool stuff with computers and does not age well at all.
0: No, it it really didn't age well. I don't think it aged well six months after it came out, you know,
1: pretty much. IBM took advantage of the movie. IBM did? did? That little, yeah, when they did the little spoof of it, with of of the it was a commercial where he had an IBM computer and it was like, "What are you going to do, Mister President?" And he, President, hit the delete button and the countdown went away. Uh, I think the reason why I was confused by IBM is because
0: that was actually something I found that Apple did. It was an iBook or iMac or whatever. Yeah, it was an Apple. I thought
1: I thought, I thought it was IBM.
0: Nope, it was Apple. Hang on, let me jump ahead of my notes here.
1: Hey,
2: take uh, all this yeah. out. This is ridiculous. No, no, we're
0: going to keep <laughs> all this in. It's
2: Independence
0: Day. Fox's licensing and merchandising uh, division um, entered a co-promotional deal with Apple. The co-marketing project was dubbed the Power to Save the World campaign, in which the company used footage of David using his PowerBook. I was wrong on what type oh. of was, but it was a PowerBook laptop and their print and mm. television. So i glad you cleared that up It was a pivotal piece of information That really could have folded the show
2: This conversation right here is more exciting Than anything that happens in Independence Day <laughs> I mean there
1: was, there was A lot of
2: ad-lib scenes in there too though What ad-lib scene are you talking about
1: Like when like when, Will Kick the Smith tires, light the fires a- No when, when Will Smith was Dragging the alien across the salt flats You know in his parachute yep. So don't, don't worry this is 1996 so Spoiler alerts don't apply Yeah but no one told Will Smith that the salt flats reek from all the dead brine shrimp that used to live there. And no one told him it stunk. And yeah. that was one of the things he said. And why the hell does it smell? What is that smell? He started kicking the alien. Yeah. He didn't know what was causing the smell. I knew that
0: there was ad-lib stuff within that, but I do know that the salt flats stink. I should have put together things that I know <laughs> to <laughs> to put together that fact. So... Alright, so while promoting Stargate, Emmerich thought of the film while answering a question about his belief in alien life. He and Devlin decided to incorporate a large-scale attack having aliens invade Earth, blah, blah, blah. It's really such a simple, stupid idea. I don't really feel like the birth of the idea is something that should really be harped on too much. Because Emmerich is, I I think his specialty is the disaster film. So it was considered a significant turning point in the Hollywood blockbuster. It was at the forefront of the resurgence of the disaster film, the sci-fi resurgence in the mid-90s, because sci-fi kind of died off in the early 90s um, as, you know, big budget and... Big films overall. It grossed eight hundred seventeen point four million worldwide and became the highest-ranking box office film of nineteen ninety six, surpassing Twister and Mission Impossible. It's not hard to surpass Twister as we've proven with Independence Day. But so anyway,
2: hey, hey, that movie stars a national treasure, which was the man, rest in peace, Bill Paxton, wonderful, gem of a human.
1: No, uh, No, Twister.
2: They could have picked a better
1: host star Helen Hunt? Yeah. I don't don't care too much for Helen Hunt. But I think
0: any role that Helen Hunt gets is great because I will forever be mad about you.
2: All right. It was good. I enjoyed hosting this show. I'm going to leave.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Thanks for tuning
0: in. Anyway. Back to Independence Day. The second highest grossing film ever at the time behind Jurassic Park. The film won the Academy Award for Best Visual Effects and Best Sound. Notice... Nothing about it. its acting, editing, directing.
1: Okay. None of so that. Let's, for everyone out there that may not be as old as us, everyone has to remember, 1996, computers were still mostly DOS-based programs. So to be able to green screen and to do some of the things that they did during that movie at that time was a technological event. Now, we all know that George Lucas, and for space battles and stuff like that, George Lucas takes a and I will concede that point. However, it is what it is. So let them have their life. what week. You look like you're going to die.
2: Well, no, I just wanted to point out the, to your point about special effects. We, we all agree that the effects in Independence Day do not hold up. They look very cheeseball. Jurassic Park, the original, still holds up. That came out in 1993.
1: Well, oh, I mean, you, you're, you were comparing potato potatoes where a good chunk of that movie of, of Independence Day was green screen because of space battles and alien ships. You know, and, and all that type of stuff. Fighter planes flying through the air. Whereas with Jurassic Park, they had how much did that, that animatronic T Rex play that when it got wet would go berserk? Right. You know? I, I know, was, I know. I mean, the special effects in that was, in Jurassic Park, was phenomenal because, like, the glass, what is it, that water glass was what? Like a piano string getting plucked underneath the dashboard that was making it, yeah. you know, do that jump? Yep. Yeah. Yep. I mean, who, who figured that out? So, again, apples to oranges. One was ground based, one was space based. That's why I made sure to throw in there, George Lucas, at the time, of Star Wars, did a very good job. Oh, yeah. And to what the comparison
0: of the two, you know, the effects of Jurassic Park definitely hold up. And I think it's because he had a mix of practical and special effects. You know, whereas, whereas this had nothing but the special effects. Except for, you know, when you actually got into the alien suit and up close and whatnot. The White House, the Empire State Building, all that blowing up was special effects. It was all a green screen. It was cheesy as all get up. Right. But then the scene that I referenced just a bit ago of the dog, you know, I actually just watched that whole scene earlier today because, you know, in preparation and it is very clear from the moment that the explosion starts moving through the street, that it is green screen, that it is, it's not real. And it looks terrible.
2: Just God awful. It looks like a PlayStation two game. I mean, It does. Yeah. They, they I
0: mean, made the 96. entire movie on a PlayStation 2. That's what it looks like. It really does. So Ronald Emmerich, he is the disaster movie guy. Of course, started a bit smaller than a disaster movie, and he had a few credits before this, but 94 Stargate, you know, he thought of the movie while well, making Stargate. Before this, I believe, was uh, Universal Soldier with Jean-Claude Van Damme. And then After Independence Day was the worst Godzilla movie in the world. And then Patriot, and then Day After Tomorrow, 10,000 B.C., 2012, then White House Down, Independence Day Resurgence. (laughs) I mean, the guy did nothing but disaster movies. It was his bread and butter. It was his whole thing. And, you know, I'm not knocking anybody for having that, you know, having a a go-to as far as what they're good at, but come on, man.
2: Well, you know what's interesting is in that list of movies that you said, the one that I think really sticks out out of all of that is The Patriot. Yeah. And that's one that's actually kind of – renowned as a good film yeah so it, it makes you wonder if like okay well if you keep doing the same kind of films and they kind of suck but you step out of your comfort zone and you make a film that's actually like well received but at the end of the day why does Emmerich care he owed checks money right cash, yeah. you get this? independence day what'd you say 800 million dollars at the box office
0: um 815 was it uh right. 817.4 <laughs> million.
2: Yeah. People like to see stuff blow up.
0: Yeah. They they do. Yeah. Absolutely. And it was uh it was on a budget of 75 million. So pretty good return. Jeez. Yeah. Way yeah, more yeah, money than return.
1: way more money than I would think that he'd be able to get for that, but yeah, you know, whatever. So to backtrack just a wee bit, I had to do my research. In 1996, Windows NT network 4.0 was pushed out to replace Windows ninety five.
0: I missed so, that. I missed that Windows. I I remember ninety five, but I missed that.
2: Yeah, I think so, Windows ninety eight was the first one I ever like got accustomed to. <laughs> Windows ninety-eight was the first version of Windows
1: that required the operator to go outside of an MS a DOS prompt to work. Because oh, so, okay. in ninety five we still had to do the you wanted to launch the CD player on your computer, go to MS DOS. Right. I remember <laughs> playing
0: Day of the Tentacle on Windows ninety five. Having to, having to you put, were put playing in playing what game? Uh, Maniac yep, Mansion, yep. Day of the Tentacle. Or Oh yeah. Oh, I Oh yeah. I'm sorry, you played Day of the Testicle, but the rest of us were playing Maniac Mansion.
2: Oh god, I loved Maniac Mansion. I oh. played it on Nintendo. I'm sorry. No. Great <laughs> Great. Game. Oh, Love such that a good game. game.
0: I actually played that game uh, just a couple years ago and
2: still put the hamster in the microwave. And all right. Yeah. yeah.
1: You
0: time travel (laughs) through porta potties.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Anyway, um, Emmerich stated he was fascinated by the idea of an alien arrival and said to a reporter, imagine what it would be like to wake up one morning and discover 15 mile wide spaceships were hovering over the largest cities. I don't want to imagine that. It's a terrible idea. And I don't know why that reporter didn't shoot him down right then.
1: (laughs) Just stop. Stop, Emmerich! Like right? you just—you don't have to do these. Things. I mean, is I mean, he like, like the Stephen King of of? Is he like the Stephen King of disaster movies? That's what it is. He don't. just gets out there. He just gets out there, and he's like, imagine fifteen mile spaceship. All right, what can we expect? It?
2: it sounds like it sounds like to me. He got bored one night and watched Day the Earth Stood Still, and War of the Worlds, and was like, "Huh, oh, I got, got an, an idea." idea. Yeah, like, yeah.
0: I feel like maybe like. He was like holding a plate up, like trying to see if it was clean after washing <laughs> it. And it was like, ah, maybe, oh, there's a shadow over me. Maybe I could cast a shadow on the moon and it's a spaceship coming in. And which, okay, let's talk about the opening of that movie. You have the, uh, the, the moon landing scene, the disc coming over and making it black, you know, shadowing out everything. And then the next thing you see is, uh, what's it called? SETI, where they uh, look for. Intelligent life, they've got all the satellites out there, and there's somebody there like they monitor that station 24 hours a day. Absolutely do not. You know, I know for a fact there's somebody there every like three, four days or something like that. But this guy's out there playing golf, you know, putting, which goes ahead and tells you that 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 whole facility is boring and nothing's happening. And then the worst like foreshadowing ever REM's end of the world is playing. The worst, the absolute worst. Why? Why would you pick that song? There's plenty of other songs to play to just maybe throw because, the audience off a little bit.
2: I know. Because Emmerich is the lowest common denominator. He is the most, like... Look, I, I give I give props to anybody that can direct the movie. The fact that movies exist are miracles. They are just ridiculous. That's a bold statement. Lowest common denominator. But, but no, but that's how his movies are. They are let's think about what we're talking about here. We're talking about a movie with a plot that has been done a million times. And this movie offers nothing new. It just offers bigger explosions. And so of course, Roland Emmerich going to think, Oh, what would be clever? Oh, I know the most obvious choice. Like there's no subtlety. There's no nuance. It just bangs you over the head oh, yeah. the entire time.
0: Oh yeah. No, like so- the intro just punches you in the face and,
2: yeah Yeah.
1: well two two things the first one is kind of important to go ahead and say this (laughs) attention legal department if you uh i will if you email me i will most definitely direct you to uh, lost her
2: emrick is a hack okay Okay. whatever if there is secondly
0: if there is any sort of legal involvement about this that means that somebody high up was listening
1: (laughs) and i'm okay with that. so first
2: of all thank you first
1: off first off we now have listeners in ireland Yeah. (laughs) yeah okay so, hey, that's I, me.
2: I brought him here.
1: <laughs> so and, and secondly, I mean that's almost the exact same opening as Armageddon. Almost the exact same opening. As I the, do not remember the opening of Armageddon. So. Where Go where on. it's where it's like the foreshadowing over the moon, and there's like there's the asteroid coming through space, and you know it's almost the exact same thing. And so and to Luke's thing, where it's like it's been done and done again. You're aware there's like twelve Fast and Furious movies. Uh, I think it's. I mean, I'm 10, just saying, but yeah, but yeah. Regardless. Oh, and I mean, I've I've loved the Fast
0: and Furious movies. The last one got a bit too ridiculous. Don't like them because they're mean, good. I like them You cause... mean where they're driving with giant magnets in their car? No, I'm talking about where they go to space in uh Pinto or whatever.
2: Well, I got to give you know clarification when it's due. Armageddon came out in 1998, so if anything, they ripped off Independence Day. Yeah, I was um,
0: gonna ask which came first, Michael Bay or but, the bad movie? Chicken or the
2: egg? But my point being is that. Before this came out, a thousand other sci-fi disaster movies have already come out. And granted, a lot of those came out in the big sci-fi boom in the 50s. And these are black and white movies with plates on strings for spaceships. And I understand right. wanting to, you know, to, to kind of revamp that and do a more updated version. But you would think they would offer a little something fresh as opposed to just Big spaceship makes big boom boom. Yeah, like green screens. Right.
1: That that was their that was their fresh add on. They gave they gave the world green screens. Well,
0: I think in 1996 we weren't quite so burnt out on these sorts of ideas, and so it was still okay at that time. So it wasn't quite as you know, I don't know painful to watch, but it was still okay at that time, I guess.
2: So my biggest gripe, and I think this is a good place to bring it up, is...
0: I don't I think you've don't... ever waited for a place to bring up a gripe, but
2: go on. Being a fan of older films, you know, I understand that, like, there's only so many new ideas and things are reciprocal and, and whatnot. But I tend to have an issue with modern movies that pretend to be cheesy and niche. To me, like, Independence Day was trying to be taken seriously. Right. But it's so stupid we think it's better than it is because oh it's like those cheesy movies from the 50s no those movies from the 50s weren't cheesy the day the earth stood still invasion of the body snatchers those are legit scary sci-fi movies
0: The people that say those things have never
1: seen those movies exactly.
2: right and independence day tries to play on this mentality that like oh we're just a, a silly little sci-fi movie too And it's like, no, those movies weren't campy. Those movies were meant to be taken seriously, and you're pretending this is campy because you know it's not very good.
0: (laughs) Okay, so, Sarge, you mentioned just a bit ago about how we have listeners in Ireland. Yes. And this is actually an issue that I took with his movie, I think it was after The Day After Tomorrow, is that in disaster movies that are released in America, you hear mention of the disasters happening in other countries, but you don't ever see the disasters of other countries. We heard that in this movie, the spaceships had invaded all over the earth. You know, they were in Moscow, but we never saw Red Square get blown up. You know, they were in Italy, but we never saw Eiffel Tower go. You know, we never saw these things go, or Eiffel Towers in Paris. I'm an idiot. Uh, But anyway, you know, we never saw these other major landmarks, you know, get blown up all over the world. And it's like, you know, I understand nobody wants to see Summerfield, North Carolina get blown up, but, you know, they'd like to see New York. Sure. Look, why are we not seeing Hong Kong get, you know, murdered? Like, well, why I are mean, those I, things never put into the movies?
1: Well, there's a couple reasons. And it's, it's strained relations in, in, in all honesty. Like, for example, uh, the new Top Gun movie, Gun 2, whatever it's going to be called, I haven't seen it average, yet. Or, I haven't I seen It's not out yet. It's not? I thought it was. No, I don't think it is. Like, they had to take one of the patches off Tom Cruise's jackets because it had to do with China or some crap like that. Yeah. So it's a matter of perspective and strange relations. Do you really think Russia wants wants a movie to be seen with the Red Square getting demolished? No. I mean, they had a fit when Tom Cruise did Ghost Protocol for Mission Impossible. Right. Right? And they showed all the destruction of the Kremlin. And also, there are movies that have done where they showed a destruction across the world. Uh, what was it? Uh, the core with uh, Aaron Eckert and Hilary Swank and Tucci? Well, essentially the core of the Earth stopped spinning. Oh, yeah. No, I do remember that, very. I do. All right. Well, they showed when the Superstorm like, destroyed the Coliseum in Rome and the Eiffel Tower, you know, birds in London. And if we want to go further, we could do into the movie, into the Earth, into the world style movies. Uh, what was it with Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt? Edge of oh, Tomorrow. Edge of Tomorrow,
0: yeah. At edge of tomorrow was it
1: edge of tomorrow, yeah,
0: it's where every time he dies he'd like go back in time yeah, or yeah
1: yeah yeah yeah, I, yeah. I felt so no, and that 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 didn't take place in the United States he was they were over in England when that happened
2: there are some another Bill Paxton movie, what the hell
1: when he guy gets clipped by the car and dies
0: so all right the u s military originally intended to provide personnel vehicles and costumes and whatnot for the film, but however, they backed out when producers refused to remove the scripts area fifty one references.
2: Which I think it's funny. Again. Again such an on the nose reference. Like, it's like, hey, what's something that people associate with aliens? No, not, not the smart ones, the dumb ones. Oh, I know. Area 51. Like, it's so just like.
0: Would they uh, do that in 1996? I don't remember what was happening
1: in 1996 yeah. as far as
0: alien awareness.
1: Well, I mean, let's go back just a couple of years when all those people were like, let's raid Area 51. Oh, yeah. Like, right. It doesn't get better with age.
2: No, and to your point, Casey, I, I think that like back in the '90s is when Fox was doing their special about Alien Autopsy, and they were investigating Area 51 and stuff. It was like X Files was really taking place. True. Yeah, I don't remember exactly the dates off the top of my head, but yeah, Area 51 was absolutely in the the public consciousness. So again, instead of trying to come up with an original creative idea. He just slapped on the most obvious one because he's a hack.
0: <laughs> what did you call him before? The lowest common denominator, and now he's a hack? Yes. I'm going to go out on a limb here, Sarge, and tell me if you agree with me, but I don't think he's a fan.
1: I don't think he's a fan, too. I don't. And, and, I and not just, so, just seen... so everyone knows, just so everyone knows, that monsters' opinions does not directly reflect our <laughs> political, religious, or philosophical stance of theory. Hey,
2: take Thank about you. 30 seconds to Google around. Roland Emmerich is not considered a fantastic director by anybody. No, um, I I don't think he is by any means. He is not
0: somebody but, that I would put at the top of my list of favorite movie makers.
2: Yeah, and anybody who's listened to this podcast more than once knows these aren't my kind of movies. Yeah. So obviously I'm not gonna give a lot of credit to this dude. But No, um, I think he's a
0: shit director and a shit movie maker, but you're really just laying into him. I mean I know, right? Uh, I
2: just I just want to make sure everybody knows where I stand. No, no,
1: <laughs> you're like that. You're 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 like that one prison guard that doesn't like an inmate. That, that, that's what you are. You're like, oh, oh, he's 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 in solitary. Let's go throw a bucket of cold water on.
2: In most scenarios that start off that way, I'm typically the inmate, so I appreciate you just making me the guard.
0: You've Get been a given a promotion.
2: So Independence Day, blah blah blah. Keep going.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so the film's aliens were designed by Patrick, and I'm going to spell it T-A-T-O-P-O-U-L-O-U-S. L-O-S, no U. Sorry, I don't know what I meant to do. So, Topolos?
1: Uh
0: uh The actual aliens in the film are diminutive and based on a design uh, that he drew when tasked to create the alien that was both familiar and a uh, completely original. These creatures wear biomechanical suits that are based on another design that he pitched to Emmerich before. The suits were eight feet tall and equipped with 25 tentacles and purposely designed to show it would not sustain a person <laughs> He was inside. Googling tentacle stuff. Yeah. He got excited. I'd... No. Uh, so anyway, it would appear there would not be a
2: man in the suit, even though there was. I like I like the use of the term, and I'm using air quotes since no one can see me. Completely original, actually, both
0: both familiar and completely original is in quotes, so
2: yeah, yeah, and I'm taking um, it as
0: what you mean instead of it being a direct quote oxymoron.
2: Now, I would just like to state that in 1996, an alien invasion film came out about the destruction of the world called Independence Day. No, there was an alien invasion film that came out. 1996 that paid homage to the 1950s sci-fi classics with actually pretty original-looking aliens called Mars Attacks. And if you want to watch a, an alien invasion movie from 1996, you'd be better off to watch Mars Attacks.
0: I, I'm loved, just saying. I loved Mars Attacks, and I actually watched it about two years ago, and I loved it all over again. I, Mars Attacks was great. I wasn't, it wasn't based off of base, like trading cards from like the 50s or something.
2: Yeah, no, it's made, so, so whereas Independence Day sucks, so people say, it pays homage to cheesy 50s movies. Tim Burton said, no, I'm going to make a schlocky sci-fi goofball movie on purpose. And oh so, Mars Attacks is is the takeaway from this conversation. So... So it was Tim Burton, right? Does that mean Danny DeVito was in it? Yeah, because that's like his go. As a matter of fact, yes, he was. <laughs> was he wearing a top hat? Uh no. Uh man, no. Thing. Jack um, Nicholson had the cool hats. Yeah, I will
1: just say, I mean, I was, it's it's like that is like Danny DeVito and Tim Burton's like
2: jam right there. In... Uh, Jack Jack Nicholson played the president of the United States.
0: All right, Christopher Weaver, founder of the game company Bethesda Softworks. Uh, was a consultant in the movie's production team and provided scientific collaboration. I don't know why they wouldn't just get a scientist. Why did they get a game designer? But anyway, Devlin used Weaver as the basis for film's character, David Levinson, Jeff Goldblum's character. I would like to meet this Christopher Weaver or see video of him talking and see
1: if he sounds anything like... So, fun fact about Jeff Goldblum. 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 His iconic, the way he talks is extremely iconic. And it was from one of his very first movies he ever did where the director told him to say his lines every line like that and it just stayed. His I they called it like his his cinema stutter, I think is what it's classified as. Uh, he's definitely owned so, it. Oh so he has. It. You can
2: hear that voice and not even be looking at the screen and be like, go move. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's one of those guys that I think when when he gets cast in a film, you're not casting a Specific character, you're not thinking, oh, I need the right person for this role. Oh, Jeff Goldblum came in and killed it. No, it's like you're casting. I want a Jeff Jeff you, Goldblum. You yeah, put, you
0: he, put Kevin Costner in a movie because you want Kevin Costner. Because right. let's be honest, everything he does is the same. You know, he's not done
1: anything that really sticks out, except for Waterworld. Yeah. So can I? It was a terrible spoil movie. Spoil something since we're talking about Jeff Goldblum? Sure. The next Jurassic Park movie is supposed to have the return of the original cast by John Hammond. Yeah, I actually
0: had uh, heard that as well. Um, I'd be interested to see Jeff Goldblum run through a forest like he did when it was, and then. Lay out all seductively on the table like you did in that one. I'm
2: glad to hear Sam Neill's coming back. I think Sam Neill is a very underappreciated actor. I I think he's great.
0: He's
2: great. He's great.
0: Immediately before filming the scene, Devlin and Pullman decided to act Today We Celebrate Our Independence Day to the end of the speech. At the time, the production of the film was nicknamed ID4 because Warner Brothers owned the rights to the title because of a film from 1983. It was called Independence Day. Devlin had hoped that if Fox executives noticed the addition in the dailies, the impact of the new dialogue would help them to win the rights to the title. Pullman stated in an interview that Fox had otherwise been aiming to use Doomsday for the film's release to match the other disaster films at the time. What a shit title.
2: You know, like what? That would be a Roland Emmerich title. Like yeah. that sounds like something he would want to name it. Yeah.
0: So... Anyway, Devlin and Emmerich had hoped the impact of his speech would help Fox win over the title.
1: And guess what? Spoiler alert, they got it.
0: Two weeks later,
1: <laughs> they got the title. So, so since we're talking about that iconic scene where he's standing on a jet plane.
0: He wasn't leaving on a jet I plane, t- he was standing on it. I thought
2: you were going to say that iconic scene where the dog jumps from the flames. No,
1: we've already <laughs> talked about that scene. I'm gonna, from a military standpoint, right? any Former military member can pick up a rifle and do be, be an infantryman, right? Can happen. However, with the advances in avionics and all sorts of other technology, you can't put a retired pilot behind the the behind no. the stick controls of of a modern airplane. Okay, a so, fighter jet. I mean, one
2: dude was a damn crop duster and flew like Pete. I was a crop, crop duster earlier today. I so thought for sure when he got in planes. the airplane, he would know how to fly it. All right,
0: so the film initially depicted Russell Case being rejected as a volunteer for the July Fourth aerial attack or counter defense. Um, anyway,
1: because of his alcoholism, what? Uh, offensive. What? Right, offensive. Counter offensive. Okay. Uh, he we then. Don't, we don't. We don't defend. We attack. Okay. America.
0: Back to Independence Day. He then uses a stolen missile tied to his red biplane to carry out his suicide oh. mission. Oh. According to Devlin, test audiences responded well to the scene's irony and comedic value. Uh, <laughs> the, scene, the scene was reshot to include Russell's um, acceptance as a volunteer his crash course on flying modern fighter aircraft. So there you go. He got a An updated training, which I don't remember that being in the movie, so I'm kind of with you. It was. They
1: said, pardon the expression, we're going to give you a crash course in modern avionics.
0: Okay. It's been a long time since I've actually seen the whole movie. And him flying an F-A-18 instead of the biplane. Devlin preferred this alteration because the viewer now witnessed Russell ultimately making the decision to sacrifice his life, which doesn't make sense to me because his other decision was to sacrifice his life. The same way, but um, yeah, but
1: you have funny and serious, you want to yeah. put serious undertone.
0: Uh, in 2021, this movie has nothing serious about it. Think
1: about it from the 1996 perspective. I mean, do you want people going, All right, let's tell everyone else around the world how to bring them bitches down, or do you want to like a somber moment where it's like everyone's like, All right, let's tell everyone how to break down? You know what they were going for, <laughs> the which actually in that whole
0: thing where they're telling the world. We actually see a form of communication that we do not see in movies. I think it's the only one that I've seen. Morse code. Transformers. Did they
1: use it in Transformers? Yes, they take apart a computer and hook it up to an old school Morse code machine. And as they type it out, you see the little thing going...
0: (laughs) I must have missed that part in Transformers. I was distracted by the giant robots. And Megan Fox. So Devlin was a fan, ultimately, of this ending because seeing the biplane... With the uh, missile tied to it, keeping pace the modern planes was just not believable. That's what he had a problem with.
1: You mean not the stealing of military munition and strapping it to a biplane? Yeah, is yeah. It was
0: the fact that, that his is the fact that his biplane could keep up with it was what was unbelievable about the whole thing.
2: The last twelve minutes of your two-hour disaster film is when you want to start talking about start throwing around words like believable. <laughs> really
0: yeah. yeah
2: so let's uh let's pull
0: out of the movie just a little bit i don't pull out oh my god if you have better timing
1: Ow.
0: all right so let's talk about the music of the movie so the music was composed by david arnold and recorded with an orchestra of 90 and a choir of 46 i feel like that is too much for this movie but that's what they got and it was said that at last uh Oh, so, uh, sorry, I was distracted by Sarge uh, conducting with what looks to be a coffee stir. So, producers said you can leave it up to a Brit to write some most rousing and patriotic music in history of American cinema. I
1: call bullshit, but okay, all right. You know, Francis Francis Scott Key was a British man who did the Star Spangled Banner. Well, he was talking about in, in
0: American cinema, so in cinema alone, but I kind of felt like maybe... I don't know. Every other movie about America had more patriotic music.
2: They could have saved thousands of dollars on the music. Just call John Carpenter. He'll come in there and do it by himself. One keyboard. Boom, you got your score. He'll just
0: bring in (laughs) a 1962 Casio keyboard, flop it down, and pound it out. And give him two hours in a room with the movie. And he'll probably leave going, I can't do
1: anything with this. But It would no. slay.
0: Sorry. Right. While the film was still in post-production, so not even out yet, Fox began a massive marketing campaign to help promote the film. This was really the first big budget movie to get a Super Bowl spot. $1.3 million to get it. And it kicked off other blockbusters having advertising campaigns that included Super Bowl spots. I was looking for it because I didn't believe it when I saw it, and there really is no record of major production movies having Super Bowl sponsors for that.
2: Oh, Speaking Sweet. of which, I, and I don't want to step on your toes if you have this factoid, but so this is a good time to ask. Factoid is
0: a stupid word. I've heard it
2: many times. I hate it, but go on. Look, look, monster, just step on his dick. No, no. Ah, Well, maybe I'll just say it then instead of giving you the chance. Speaking of the advertising campaign, the iconic scene with the White House. Now, do you have this in your notes, or do you want I, me to just I,
0: I have something about the White House in here. I don't know if it's going to be the same thing.
2: Okay, so...
0: This isn't going to be like Artie's metal band, First Jason.
2: No, no. Which, another plug for that band. If you haven't listened <laughs> to First Jason yet, you're missing out.
0: Yeah, go on.
2: No, so... In the ad campaigns for Independence Day, there is this iconic scene where you see this laser shoot down and the White House explode. And it was like this really crazy shot. Well, as I don't know, development for the film came along and they were tweaking things or whatever, if you go back and watch the film now, that scene has been altered. Instead of just seeing a clear shot of the White House being exploded by lasers, they now have this helicopter that flies in front of it and it's awkward and like the the white house explodes but the helicopter doesn't like move it just kind of like drips across the screen because apparently the clear shot of the white house exploding was not okay like they had to do something about that telling me a
1: helicopter lazily listed through the screen
2: Yes. If you go back and watch that scene, it's literally like big bombastic music laser shoots down and then a helicopter just kind (laughs) of scooches by. It's so awkward. It's so weird because yeah, all the commercials have the uninhibited shot, and it's in case anyone hasn't figured yeah. out
1: at this time into this podcast. Luke's a bit of a critic on this movie and a director. Oh, no, 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 no! I'm not CGI. a critic. I'm not a
2: critic. <laughs> no, 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 no. Let me let me be clear. I'm not a critic. I'm not trying to critique it. It's a pile of shit, and I'm just letting everybody know.
1: Tell us how you really feel. How do you feel after saying that? One hundred percent
0: agree with you. Like. I would have, I I would have rather watched a pile of shit blow up than this movie over like all the landmarks and things. It's just a terrible
2: movie. The difference is, and this is just a, a matter of opinion. This is where I kind of like, hey, whatever, float your boat. I just don't have fun with these kind of movies. But for a lot of people, this is fun. This is popcorn munching, good time, laughing with your friends. And I get why this is a popular film. It's just, it's not my cup of tea. So oh, I'm
1: having fun
0: turn this movie. i Oh no, I like to watch this kind of movie and make fun of it the whole time because yeah, yeah, the disaster movie is so preposterous to me. I can't get behind it, but I will watch yeah. it and make fun of it. So, all right, we already talked about Apple's campaign or IBM as Sarge perceived it to be, and then also
1: 1996.
0: Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Trendmasters entered a, mar- a merchandising deal with the film's producers to create tie-in toys in exchange for product placement. Fox also entered commercial deals with Coors Brewing and Coca-Cola. So if you go back and watch it, any toy you see is a Trendmasters Toy Company toy. And there's Coors and Coke drunk all throughout the movie.
1: It's The can gratuitous. that is shot off, off the spaceship. I think it was a Coke can.
0: Yeah. thanks Absolutely. And uh, the scene when Jeff Goldblum is drunk and like trying to pick up cans or kick them or whatever, they're all Coke product cans <laughs> through and through. The film was marketed with several taglines, and I think all of these are solid. We've always believed we weren't alone. On July 4th, we'll wish we were. And then we have Earth, take a good look at it. It could be your last. And also the last, last one, don't make plans for August, which... I think it's something that we should introduce into our everyday vernacular. Just tell people randomly, don't make plans for August.
2: So (laughs) ominous. Yeah, just give them no... What's going on in August? No follow-up,
0: nothing. Just don't make plans in August.
2: Well, (laughs) and being the horror movie guy, you know, like, the naming of your film A Holiday is like an old slasher trope like that's been going around since like the 70s you know with you know obviously my bloody valentine friday the 13th mother's day halloween you know whatever so like could you imagine like an independence day but instead of an alien invasion it's just a ridiculous slasher movie instead like people getting like impaled with fireworks and stuff (laughs) i would pay to see that
1: I right? I would go right? to
2: the movie and see that Alright, so
0: speaking of uh, our conversations about slasher movies in the past, do you remember who we've talked about consistently through and through about uh, reviewing horror movies? Our old friend wow. Roger Ebert, and do you want to guess what he described this movie as?
2: Well, considering that I also think he's a hack, I would have to assume he loved this movie According and thought it was real clever and fun and I quote, truly brilliant. <laughs> I'd expect e. Ray, nothing really less.
0: The weekend before the film's release, Fox aired a half-hour special on the film, the first uh, third of which was a spoof newsreel on the events that happened in the film. So they actually tried to pitch it as something that was actually happening. Boom. The film had its official premiere um, held at the now non-existent Man Plaza in Los Angeles Theater, or the Man Plaza Theater in Los Angeles on June 25th. 1996, it was screened privately at the White House for President Bill Clinton, and then it was released July 2nd. And then it was released after a $30 million market campaign on THX certified VHS and Laserdisc. Oh, man. It actually came out on Laserdisc. And it became the best-selling live-action video of all time at that point. So, all right. uh, We're going to round it up with a little bit more here, but Censorship In Lebanon, certain Jewish and Israel-related content in the film was censored. One cut scene uh, was when Judd Hirsch's character donning a kippah, uh, leading soldiers and White House officials in a Jewish prayer. That was completely cut. I don't remember that
2: being a pivotal moment in the movie. Um, Oh my god, hold on. Before you go any further, his role is so, like, I'm not Jewish, but I feel like if I was Jewish, I would be offended. What is his name? Judd Hirsch. Like everything he says is literally like, hey, guess what? I'm Jewish. Hey, real quick, unless you forgot, I'm Jewish. It's so one note. There's no like, uh, uh, uh. okay, go ahead. Sorry. All right. Israeli and Arab troops working together in preparation
0: for countering the alien invasion. The Lebanese, I'm going to completely, Shia, Islamist militant group, Hezbollah, H-E-Z-B-O-L-L-A-H, Hezbollah. Uh, called for Muslims to boycott the film, describing it as propaganda for the so-called genius of the Jews and their concern for humanity. Um, In response, Jewish actor Jeff Goldblum said, I think they missed the point. (laughs) The film is not about American Jews saving the world. It's about teamwork among people of different religions and nationalities to defeat a common enemy. If that's what he was going for in the movie, I missed that part. I missed all that. It was a movie about aliens. It wasn't a movie about people coming together.
2: But, um, but do you remember Do you remember the part where Jeff Goldblum was in the spaceship and he started saying, go faster, go faster, because that's, that's what he said in Jurassic Park? Yeah. It's, it's so clever. It, yeah. It's really, really clever.
1: All right. So, so l- fun fact, so fun, 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 fun fact, just because we've said this.
2: Hirsch, who was
1: born in the Bronx, New York City, is Jewish. Oh, that is a fun fact. Yeah, Yeah, it's
2: very fun. My mind is blown. I know that. Instead of trying to give him any kind of characteristics that make him a unique character, they're like, okay, Judd Hirsch, you're going to play the Jewish guy. Like, even Jeff Goldblum, like, well, okay, so Jeff Goldblum is in the film, obviously a Jewish person, but he has all these other characteristics about him. But Judd Hirsch's character is just like, everything he says is like, Hanukkah, Bar Mitzvah, like everything is like so on the nose. It's it's the it's the end of the world as we know it song at the beginning of the movie all over again.
0: But it's just throughout the movie because he's a character that lives. <laughs> yes, well, yes. So, all right, Independence Day Resurgence came out in 2016 and I never saw it. I have no interest in seeing it. Never seen oh. it at all.
1: I didn't see
0: it. Wow. So, but I will say that in 2015, so before the movie came out, three and four were already being planned. Emmerich said that if the uh, second film was a success, then they would go ahead making it. As of 2018, it is reported that the projects are dead because the second one was not a success. So on that, we will close out this episode with Independence Day sucks. Monster is not a fan. It's a terrible movie. I think it's a fun movie, but it's not fun because of the right reasons, really. I think it's a fun movie because it's such a bad movie. So.
2: Yeah. My final thought is, if you want to see this kind of movie, you really ought to go back and watch the classics like The Day the Earth Stood Still, War of the Worlds, that kind of stuff. And if you want to see a spoof of the 1950s sci-fi movies, I would recommend watching Mars Attacks.
0: Which, actually, in my research, I was looking at disaster movies and kind of the... um, ebb and flow of them and the in the 70s i think the poseidon adventure and the towering inferno both directed by Al or erwin allen are great movies and then the what ended up being the spoof on the disaster movie which ended up killing the entire genre um airplane great movie as well
1: absolutely so my final thoughts is i now know what i'm going to antagonize me with should i ever have i will force him to watch on repeat this entire movie you
0: gonna you gonna tie him down and hold his eyes open like in Clockwork Orange? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, mean, I will put headphones on him that he can't
1: take off and uh, pull his eyelids open. And,
0: I'm a, you know, just the thought of it is scary. I, I think I'm going to see what I could do to find any sort of Independence Day paraphernalia and have it mailed to your house at least once a month.
2: Oh, I'm gonna go uh, find a movie
1: poster. Oh uh,
2: okay, I tell you what. I tell you what. There is one piece of Independence Day merchandise I would wear. If it said Independence Day real big, but then just said Harvey Firestein's face, like the whole shirt is just his face, like young, hot, throat blown out Harvey Firestein, right there.
0: All right, ladies and gentlemen, I got nothing left for Independence Day. I am done with it
1: just like the franchise should be. Anyway, <laughs> thanks for listening, everybody. Good night.